welcome again. My name is James, uh, and I'm one of the pastors here at City Church. have the privilege of leading this congregation here at Cotton. Uh, and so uh, if you're new or you're visiting, a really warm welcome to you. Uh, we're going to be um, reading from the book of Acts. So if you've got a Bible with you, why don't you turn to Acts chapter 19. Uh, and just while you're uh, flicking to it, either on your phone or paper Bible, I mean, anyone still bring a paper Bible to church? Come on, that is encouraging. Good on you. Bonus heaven points to you. <laughs> um, while you're flicking to Acts chapter 19, I wonder what situation would you drop everything for? What situation would you drop everything for? Uh, I'm sure we've all got stories where we're getting on with our normal lives, the daily grind, and then out of the blue, either something or someone uh, calls you, you get a message, you, you see something on the news, and instantly your plans change. Your attention is suddenly redirected. Suddenly, whatever your original focus was has immediately been forgotten because of what has been presented to you. I wonder if you can think of any situations that happened. A couple of situations spring to mind for me. I guess we can probably all remember, or some of us, if you're old enough, can remember significant moments in world history, like when the news broke that Princess Diana had died, or the terrorist attacks in London, or, or even that first news broadcast when the nation was plunged into lockdown. Your focus is just on, on that, or, or perhaps things closer to home. Uh, like the phone call I got when Sarah thought that Poppy was about to enter the world. And you're, I'm sitting there in the office. I'm like, oh my goodness, it's happening. It didn't happen for another two weeks. Poor Sarah. Um, examples like that, or, or sadder ones, like when someone dies. One of my favorites, I'm not going to lie, uh, happened to me on a Friday night back in 2012. Uh, I got a phone call from my father-in-law uh, to say that there was a spare ticket going for the FA Cup fourth round match between Liverpool Football Club, the team that I support, against Manchester United. Now, if you know anything about football, you know that that is a massive game. And whatever I was doing, I think I was teaching in the afternoon, and it was like, I am getting out of the classroom at quarter past three, and I am hitting that motorway to get that ticket. And Liverpool won 2-1. Dirk Count scored a last-minute winner, if you're interested. And it was bedlam. I went on my own. <laughs> I went on my own. There I was, sitting in Anfield, and I had the best time. Not even diversions on the M5 down, which meant I couldn't get home until like three in the morning. Could ruin the joy that I experienced in that moment. But we've all been there, haven't we, where in a moment of focus, our engagement or act, our activity completely changes. And we're going to look at this passage in Acts chapter 19, where the Apostle Paul is meeting uh, with a group of men and in hearing what Paul says, they drop what they're doing and everything changes for them in radical fashion. So rather than just reading the whole passage in one go, we're going to just walk through seven verses together and follow the story. And then we're going to have an opportunity at the end to respond uh, to what God might be saying to us. So let's read uh, verse one. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. 
So Paul had already been to Ephesus before. He was familiar with the city. Uh, and he had taken two of his friends, Priscilla and Aquila, with him. And Paul asked them to stay once he went on. Paul was a bit of a nomad, visiting different cities. He left his two friends there and said, can you stay here in Ephesus? And while Priscilla and Aquila were in Ephesus, they met this man called Apollos, well-known, gifted Jewish teacher in Ephesus, and he gets converted. He becomes a Christian because of the witness of Priscilla and Aquila. In Acts chapter 18, we read that Apollos became a powerful teacher and witness for Christ. And he actually then went on to take Paul's place in Corinth, another key city. And so Paul was eager to return to Ephesus, return and see what had happened, what had been going on while he was away. So he returned. And when he returned to Ephesus, verse 2, they, they found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What an odd conversation. Here it says that there were a group of disciples. In verse 7, we learn that there's 12 men, in fact. And when Paul asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said no. In fact, they said they had never even heard of the Holy Spirit. Surely if they were disciples, they'd know who the Holy Spirit is. What is going on? Well, firstly, the word disciples didn't necessarily mean that they were disciples of Jesus. But rather, on further questioning, they said they had received John's baptism. Paul asks them, what baptism did you receive? To try and uncover a bit more of the story. And these men say, we received John's baptism. And in verse 4, John, uh, Paul says, well, John, and this is John the Baptist. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. So what, what is John's baptism? What, what does that mean? Who was John the Baptist? Well, Mark's gospel gives us a bit more detail about who John was and what he was doing in Mark Chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the river Jordan. And this was John's message, it says, After me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps of those sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I, John says, baptize you with water. But he, that's Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Just notice, just from that little passage, what is happening. The whole of Jerusalem is heading out to the River Jordan to be baptized by John, thousands upon thousands of people are rolling out, engaging in this ritual cleansing by John. And these 12 men that Paul had met in Ephesus are likely to have been in that number. And so Paul is asking, you know, what kind of baptism did you receive? 
who do you follow? And they say, we follow John. We received John's baptism. And they'd received the baptism of, of repentance or of forgiveness in the River Jordan. I mean, just imagine what that would have been like for a Jewish person to do that. The River, of, the river Jordan was so symbolic for them. You remember Joshua taking the Israelites through the River Jordan into the Promised Land. They would have known that. Or in Old Testament prophets like Elisha and Elijah involved with the river again. And so as John is baptizing people on the banks of the river Jordan, it meant something. It was significant. Enacting what had gone before them of going into the water and coming out into freedom. It was a, it was a ritual cleansing, a forgiveness of their sins. And these men had received that. And yet they seem to have missed something in what John was saying. Remember, John said, after me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. And he says, yeah, I'm baptizing you in water, but there's going to be one that will transform you. Transform you internally, change your heart, give you a new heart, in fact. These men had received repentance, but really that was just the trailer for the full feature film. It was just a glimpse of what was to come. You see, what John was trying to do was point to a much greater baptizer, a much greater prophet, the true and perfect saviour, who could forgive your sins, not just then, but forever. And here's what Paul had discovered. That it wasn't that these men had never heard of the Holy Spirit. If they were Jews, they would have known who the Holy Spirit was. They would have known their scriptures. It's, it's right the way through the Bible, teaching on the Holy Spirit. They would have known but it's that they hadn't followed Jesus. They hadn't received the Holy Spirit because they weren't disciples of Jesus. They hadn't heard of Jesus at all, really. They didn't know him. And even with John's best efforts, these 12 men hadn't recognized that a, that a, a baptism of water, a baptism of, of repentance, they hadn't realized that wasn't really enough. They needed a baptism of the heart. They needed to be born again. And only Jesus could do that. You know, you might be here this morning and you've been coming to church for, for a while. You've been exploring faith for a bit. Perhaps you've done an alpha course or a friend has brought you along. Perhaps you've enjoyed the community here and, and the music and the worship. Perhaps you've just enjoyed doing something a little bit different on, on the weekends. But whatever it is, if you haven't received Jesus into your life, if you haven't come into a relationship with him, if you haven't come to a place of saying, Jesus, I'm sorry that I've tried to live life on my own. I'm sorry that I've tried to live life on my own terms. That I need desperately to be rescued by you, 
If you haven't come to that place of recognizing that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and for my sin, putting your faith and trust in him and saying, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. Then all of this is just pretty disappointing. All of this is just useless. It's just a nice social gathering. The reason why we're a family is because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because he's done something to our heart. He's given us a new heart. He has baptized us into new life. And that's what John is saying all the time, all along. This water baptism is pointless unless you come to Jesus himself. Don't miss the opportunity to come to Jesus. Don't miss the opportunity to give your life to him. He is what you need. He is all you need. Don't get distracted by the trailer. Get your hands on the full feature. And Paul's discovery in his questions was this. These these men hadn't received Jesus at all. They didn't know Jesus. And so in verse 5 comes the change. In verse 5 comes the change. Here comes the drop everything moment. Here's the breaking news. Here's the phone call. Here's the light bulb moment. Verse 5, on hearing this. On hearing this. Those three words are so significant in this passage. On hearing this. These men would have heard a lot. They would have heard a lot. We don't know their stories. We don't know their background. But we've already discovered that they heard something of what John had said and yet missed it. They would have known the scriptures and yet they've missed it. They'd have known the significance of the Jordan River, but they've missed the true meaning of what was going on. Probably all their lives, they would have known that there was a Messiah coming And yet had failed to recognize who he was. But on hearing this, on hearing what Paul had said about who Jesus was and what he came to do, their ears were opened. Look at verse 5. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. We don't hear, we don't, Luke doesn't record the, the dialogue But whatever Paul had said had captured them, right? On hearing this, suddenly they get baptized in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are filled with the Holy Spirit. It must have been one of those moments where they looked at each other and thought, what have we been doing all this time? Who have we been following? What have we believed for so long? I don't know if you've ever found yourself asking that question yourself. What have I been doing all this time? All these years I've been stuck doing this or that. All this time it's like there's been this constant noise in the background and I can't work out where I'm going or what I'm doing. Or perhaps you've been listening just to a load of stuff and it's all nonsense really. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Most of the podcasts are about football. It is all nonsense. 
Or it's like being in the car and you're being peppered by the rain. You know that moment where you're in the, you just can't even hear yourself think. Those real downpours. And then you, you come out into a clearing and, and you can suddenly hear again. I wonder if it was like that for them. They thought they knew, but on hearing this, what they actually needed, and they said, I want that. That's what I want. That's what I need. What Paul has just described, that is what I need in my life. And so what happened next? Well, they they were baptized, not in John, but in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. I mean, come on. That is a response time every pastor dreams of, right? That is, that is serious work. That is serious ministry right there. In a moment, baptism, water, dunked. And then they're prophesying because they've been hands laid on them and speaking in tongues. I am both amazed at that. And at the same time, if I consider it properly, hugely challenged too. Hugely challenged. I'm left challenged because I know that my faith doesn't always look like that. It doesn't always look like that. I know there have been plenty of times where I have not responded like these men. There didn't seem to be any kind of, oh, maybe later or, oh, I'll deal with that, that, you know, in a month's time. Yeah, God might have spoken to me, but let's just. These men were like, this needs to happen now. On hearing this, they were baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a readiness and an urgency to hear. That whatever Paul had said about Jesus, they realized that something needed to happen. Something needed to change. They couldn't leave this conversation without responding or go away from this moment without doing something. In this chaotic, busy, obsessed world that we live in, where the more hours you work, the more celebrated you are, it feels. Where we go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, our capacity to listen to God is squeezed and squeezed and squeezed until we don't even hear him at all. I wonder whether one of the most countercultural things we can do in 21st century Bristol is to take time to listen to God. I wonder if that's one of the most radical things that we could do in our own lives is to pause and to hear and to listen. Because that's what these men did, right? They heard what Paul was saying. Something happened to them where they stopped and they listened and they considered what they had put their faith in for so long and on hearing the gospel, on hearing what Jesus had done, dying on the cross, forgiving their sins, that there would be no life outside of Christ, on hearing that and letting that sink into their heart, they were baptised. Next Sunday, we're having a baptism service where we're baptizing three people. They've heard the gospel. They've given their lives to Jesus. They want to go under the water as a symbol 
of dying, of their old life dying and then being raised out of the water, having received new life in Christ. But it, there's nothing special about the water. I don't get in and pray over the water on a Sunday morning. It, it's a symbol because really what it is, is something miraculous has happened on the inside. That's what happened with these men. But it started, you see, with listening. It started with them hearing God. I'm deeply challenged by that. Do I prioritize the word of God above the other noises and voices around me? Do I prioritize it? Do I prepare myself to hear so that if God were to whisper something to me, I would just catch it? Do I even give God the opportunity to speak to me? We talk, don't we, about people of faith, people of being people of action, for the gospel to go out and to change lives. But surely it has to start with opening our ears to what God might have to say to us. Surely that's where it starts. I want to ask you the question this morning, are you ready to listen? People are still saying Happy New Year, aren't they? Um, at the moment. But at the start of 2022, are you, are you ready to listen to God? Because that's where the change came for these men. On hearing this, being ready to listen and to hear, God was able to bring life to them in a radical way. You say, well, God never speaks to me. I've tried really hard and God never speaks to me. I've, I've been there. Not hearing for a while or getting wrapped up in the business of life. Sometimes you need that kind of circuit breaker moment where you're like, I'm that's in the past. Lord, I want to hear from you again. You know, the, the existence of the Bible is evidence that God wants to speak to us. The fact that we have the Bible is evidence enough. And in fact, it's not just evidence, but he actually speaks to us through his word. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to open the Bible and read it. It doesn't need to be much. It's not about rifling through the Bible, but just giving yourself enough time to hear from God. And that's, that's the invitation this morning. To listen to God, to be, to be ready to do whatever he says. Not only did these men put their faith in Jesus, but it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That the gospel and the Holy Spirit, you can't separate the two. You can't be a Christian and say, I love the gospel, but I'm very suspicious of the work of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't, it doesn't exist. You can't say, I love the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit. Oh, but what Jesus did, yeah, that's kind of secondary. It doesn't work like that. This is what Spurgeon said. He said, the gospel attended by the Holy Spirit is always victorious. The gospel attended by the Holy Spirit is always victorious. It always wins. It always brings life. It always brings fruit. That's the story here, isn't it? 
They heard the gospel. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what they went on to do? Well, a church was birthed in Ephesus. Read the letter of Ephesians. It's probably directed to this group of Christians now. They were filled. It was a continuous thing. It wasn't just a moment. They were continually filled with the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to get along to life in the Spirit this Thursday. Up at Orchard School. That would be an example of of saying, God, I actually do want to prioritize you. I want time to be able to listen to you. It's not about packing a room or getting as many people to an event and patting our backs and saying, wasn't that brilliant? It's because as a church family, we want to prioritize listening to God. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. In a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to respond and to listen. To hear what God might have to say to you, what God might have to say to us as a church. We're going to continue that this evening at seven. We're going to do that again on Thursday evening. Lots of opportunities to just recalibrate and say, yeah, I think I have been listening to the noise. But God, I want to listen to you. I want to open myself up to what you might have to say so that on hearing truth, you would fill my life again. I was reminded just before we close of that story in the Old Testament with Samuel. Do you remember Samuel, the boy Samuel who was serving in the temple? And he's serving under Eli and he goes to bed one night and he just hears his name, Samuel. And rightly so, rightly so, Samuel's like, who said that? He's like, who said my name? And he goes and speaks to Eli and Eli says, don't worry, go back to bed. Second time, Samuel, who is saying my name? Third time, Samuel. And Eli says this to him. He said, I didn't call. Go back and lie down. He said, He said, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Can I just encourage you just now, just before uh, the worship team come back up, just to, in your heart, right now, you might want to close your eyes, you might just want to block out anything around you. But just like Samuel, trying to work out who was speaking to him, he came to a place of saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. He just positioned himself so that he could hear from God again. And perhaps God wants to speak to you this morning. Perhaps you're not a Christian here this morning and just hearing enough about who Jesus is, you said, I want that life. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want my past to be dealt with. I don't want to live in shame or guilt anymore. I don't want to have to keep trying my hardest to do things. Lord Jesus, I want to receive your grace. Maybe you've heard that on hearing this. Maybe you even want to go and get baptized next Sunday. If that's you, come and speak to me.
let's just have a moment of quiet and then the band will come up and lead us where we can all of us just say speak Lord your servant is listening Father, we ask you now, as we continue to worship, as we break bread together, God, would we be people that are ready to listen to you? Lord, would we prioritize having ears to hear? In the busyness of life, Lord, would we create opportunities to just come to your word, to remember the truth of the gospel, to remember what you have done in us, that you have raised us with Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us to dwell on those incredible realities. Help us to have ears to hear what you might have to say to each one of us. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us? Not just once, but Lord, would you continue to fill us, to overflow? Holy Spirit, would you come and do that right now? Anyone who is hungry and thirsty for the Holy Spirit, would you come and fill their hearts right now? Why don't we just stand? We're gonna we're gonna worship God together. We haven't done this for a while. But if you would appreciate prayer, I mean, we've prayed, haven't we? But I mean, this will make sense in a minute. If you would appreciate prayer because you've got lost in the noise, or perhaps you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time or for the hundredth time, can I encourage you just to come forward and receive prayer? I'll be down here. I've got leaders down here ready to pray with you can I encourage you just to come forward if you feel comfortable to do that if you prefer to do it where you are you can ask the person next to you someone who's come along someone that you recognize would you just pray that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit there's nothing 
you know, spooky about it. You just got to open your arms and say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Come and fill my heart again. We're going to sing. And perhaps as we're singing, you want to come forward as we're singing and come and receive prayer. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss the moment. On hearing this, these men were obedient to God. Do you feel that tug in your heart? Come forward. We'd love to pray for you. We're going to worship together.